Welcome into another edition of WSOU Sports Coast to Coast, your home for all things women's basketball. I am your host for this week's episode, Heaven Hill. Joined alongside me, we have the wonderful, the talented duo of Ryan Johnston and Jory Mickens. Guys, how's it hanging? I'm doing great, Heaven. Um, you know, I'm excited to talk women's basketball as always. I'm sure, Ryan, you are as well. Oh, yeah, been an eventful week, been an eventful week. Uh, looking forward to breaking it down with my boys. So should be fun. And it has been an eventful week, to say the least. So to kick the episode off, I mean, let's just talk about Team USA notching another win on their, their way to the, the quarterfinal round now of the Olympics. Women's basketball, I mean, this is... I want to say their 52nd straight victory. They've been on an absurd run for decades now, and they notched another victory today, picking up a win over France, 93-82 to 82 in Tokyo. So I just want to, to touch on that game a little bit. Let's, let's talk about the highlights, who stood out to y'all, who underwhelmed, you know, for either team. Jory, let's, let's start with you. What did you see, you know, when, when looking at the, the footage from this game? Well, uh, on an episode of Coast to Coast that I did a few weeks ago, I thought I, I mentioned France as one of the teams that I personally believe could have given problems to the United States on their path to the gold medal game. Um, they were the runner up in the European Championships this year. And that roster is just a full of talented international players, as well as a former top five WNBA pick. Um, Gabby Williams, you know, UConn Husky. Um, but as we know, Team USA prevailed in this one, winning 93 to 82. Um, and in terms of, you know, like players that I thought stood out in this one, obviously the, or the most obvious answer would be Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart. I mean, they've been exceptional in this, in this year's Olympics. But I thought Tina Charles was very impressive in this game for Team USA. She was she shot a perfect three of three from beyond beyond the arc, um, and a lot of her points or a lot of her baskets came down the stretch when it was still you know a a pretty close contest. Uh, France they were leading 72-71 with about nine minutes to play, and she scored eight of her eight of her points in the final uh, period for Team USA. So I thought again a lot of her baskets were very timely, um, and you know Team USA. As a whole, they really turned up and dialed up the defensive pressure in the fourth quarter. Um, they never allowed France to get within six points after the 639 mark. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought overall it was a, a very good performance, wire to wire for Team USA. Um, yeah, and it's, it, it's good to see them get another victory. Yeah, um, you know, it doesn't really feel like Team USA is dominating uh, these teams like I, I thought they would have coming into the Olympics. I mean, I mean, some of the other teams in the group, uh, Nigeria, I think uh, I did either Japan or France beat them by like 20. Um, but Team USA hasn't really blown out these teams like that. They, it's kind of remained a little closer than what I thought. It kind of seems like they're playing down to their competition at some points. But, you know, France is a good team, and, and this is definitely a quality win. Um, you know, Team USA really did a good job of shutting down France from behind the arc. They struggled, France struggled uh, from behind the arc against Japan, 
too earlier in group play um against team usa they only shot like 29 percent. i think against japan it was like 24 percent. so definitely not uh the best showing from them there uh behind the arc i think they're better than that as a team and they're just having a rough stretch of it pretty much and um it's unfortunate because i don't think they advanced out of group play but um yeah that's just how it goes sometimes um as for who stood out to me i i got to go with brianna stewart in the last episode i said that um i thought she was going to be the mvp for team usa and although asia wilson i think had a bit of a better game i think brianna stewart really did her thing you know 17.7 rebounds just a great second option uh for team usa throughout the entire game pretty much just great performance from her really stepping it up after struggling earlier against Nigeria. Yeah, and the one thing I noticed with this game and, and really all of their games in the group stages, and Jory, you mentioned it, I mean, this team isn't blowing out these squads, you know, the way we expected from, from you know, out the gate, I should say. In fact, that they've trailed in the, the first quarter after the first quarter in each of their three group games, they were down 20 to 17 against Nigeria, 30 to 28 against Japan, and then 22 to 19 against France. Now, that's not to say that Team USA isn't as dominant as, you know, they once were, because, I mean, they've, they're still on that 50-plus that game win streak. But I think it's just a testament to, to how, how talented the rest of the world has become, you know. So it's just going to be that much more difficult to, to, to knock off these teams. But again, credit to Team USA that they managed to get the job done. So, I mean, that, the, the, the game against France was, was really impressive. And it was a testament, again, to, to Team USA and, and their perseverance um, and what they're able to do down the stretch. Jory, you mentioned that the USA trailed 72 to 71 early in the fourth quarter. And, you know, at that point, it's, it's a toss up, it's anyone's game. But AJ Wilson, Brianna Stewart, you know, Brittany Griner and others stepped up big time. Aja Wilson, she's just been on another level this this entire run, I should say. And, you know, she's looking like that MVP, you know, from, from last season in the WNBA. And, you know, then she gets to play for her old college coach and Don Staley, and it seems like she gets an, an attribute boost. Like, every group game, she's just been outright dominant, just out there on the interior, knock it down mid-range jumper. She's been great. So uh, one player that I would say uh, impressed me, Jory, you mentioned her, it was Tina Charles. I mean, what she's, like, it's, 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 it's inspiring to me to, to watch her play this year. And, I mean, like, in the past, like, she already established herself as a great scorer, you know, back to the basket and on the interior. Like, she, she gets the job done down there. She does the dirty work. But this past year, what she's been able to do from behind the arc is insane. Like tripling her, her three-point volume from last season to this year to, you know, to the point where she's like a legit threat from, from behind the arc, you know, getting up five, six, five to six attempts a game, excuse me, hitting like 37, 38% of them, however, whatever the numbers are, you know, and, and, against France, she went perfect from behind the arc. She hit three threes, that was more than anybody. And it was just, you know, phenomenal to, to watch her and, and what she can do. 15 points and enjoy, like you said, a lot of those were in the clutch. Um, another thing I noticed in watching this game, much better uh, ball security, you know, from Team USA. 
in their two previous group games, turnovers was a, a big issue. And then I think against France, they only had, I want to say, four turnovers in the first half. Like, things were just crisper in terms of, you know, rotations and, 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 and you know, not making silly mistakes. And that's what you want to see, you know, as we're now into the quarterfinal stage, things are going to be more difficult for, or things are going to get more difficult. And, you know, defenses are, it's, you know, it's going to be tougher. You know, you don't want to give up, you know, 20 turnovers and, and allow the other team to get 20 extra possessions. So credit to Team USA for really cleaning that up. 12 turnovers, obviously, that's still a decent bit, but it's nowhere near the, 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 the rough numbers they were in the earlier two group games. So all in all, a solid come from behind win from Team USA. They dominated on the interior. They got the job done, knocked down some clutch shots down the stretch, and they're on to the quarterfinal stage. So uh, another game that happened uh, recently was Japan versus Nigeria. And in that game was a barn burner. Credit to Japan. They, they managed to blow out Nigeria, you know, something that Team USA couldn't do. Nigeria just kept fighting in that game. They, they were not willing to go away. So uh, let's let's talk about that that game, Japan versus Nigeria. What, what did you guys see in that one? Ryan, we'll start with you. Yeah, you know, Japan, they, they really like to play um, from behind the arc. They're just a really, really good shooting team. They like to get the pace up and, and just just fire away. I mean, it's literally bombs away. Then they shot basically 50% from three this game against Nigeria earlier um, against uh, France. When they upset France in, earlier in group play, they also shot, I think, 45% from three. So just ridiculous shooting from them. And, I mean, Machida uh, – you know, great performance from her straight up. I, I mean, 15 assists with two turnovers. That's kind of ridiculous. That's a ridiculous turnover ratio, assist to turnover ratio right there. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, Sue Bird's stats um, against Nigeria earlier in group play. I think she had like, she also had zero points. Uh, she had like 13 assists and two turnovers. So, you know, the great players find ways to get it done when they're not uh, necessarily hitting. Uh, their shots. I mean, Machida was over four. I think Sue Bird was over six in that game. So, um, yeah, credit to Machida because she had a great game. She had a plus minus, a plus 20. Um, yeah, just a great game from her. Um, in Nigeria, I mean, I, I was kind of expecting them to go out uh, of the group. Uh, I didn't really think they had what it took to make it past Team USA and France. And Japan was definitely a surprise to me, but. Um, they're playing well. They're playing really well. And I'm looking forward to see how they do in the knockout rounds. Yeah, this was a dominant performance from Japan. You know, you mentioned uh, Machida dishing out 15 assists. I mean, heaven, you wrote in our rundown, that was an Olympic tying record. So that's, I mean, that speaks for itself. That's, that's, that's incredible. But uh, another player in, in Ryan, you kind of alluded to the three point shooting for Japan. Um, Saki Hayashi, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. She had a, a game high seven three pointers. I'm pretty sure she knocked down six of them in the first half alone um, on 64% shooting for herself. So that, that was incredible, but just like overall, I thought Japan really outworked Nigeria in this game. And that's why they, they won by as much as they did. They were going for loose balls. They were running in transition and they just continued to build an insurmountable lead throughout the game. But that being said, you know, in terms of Nigeria, uh, it kind of sucks for, you know, just in terms of 
you know, what happened to them heading into this Olympics. Uh, I mean, the news of Neka Guimake and Elizabeth Williams not being able to participate for their national team um, after FIBA refused to let them exercise their citizenship in Nigeria. You know, those two certainly would have made a difference. And Nigeria probably wouldn't have gone winless in the group stage and have the second worst point differential in the entire tournament. So, you know, with those two, maybe this is a different story, but, you know, you have to get credit to where credit's due, and that's Japan, and they were amazing in this one. Yeah, Joanna, I'm glad, I'm really glad you mentioned that last point, because, I mean, NECA and, and Elizabeth Williams on, on this team, we're, we're talking, at that point, you get a, a former WNBA MVP, you know, like that's not, they don't just give those out to anybody. Like that's, that's a pretty substantial addition to the front court. And then Elizabeth Williams, she's, she's no slouch in her own right. You know, so I think those would have been pretty interesting uh, moves, you know, if uh, FIBA allowed them to, 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 to exercise their citizenship and play for Nigeria on, on such short notice. But like Ryan said, Japan, man, they came out and it was just, it was bombs away. It felt like I was watching the Washington Mystics or Seattle Storm, you know, one of those teams that it's just like, just launch threes and, and see what happens. You know, they were just, you know, it was all inspiring to watch, like, like 39 three-point attempts. That's, and in comparison to what Nigeria did, like when you shoot 11 threes and the other team's putting up 39, like every possession is an uphill battle. You know, all Japan had to do was hit, you know, a fourth of those, and it would have been tough for you because, you know, Nigeria only hit five. You know, you, you see the three-point percentage, you're like, oh, they shot 45% from three. So you realize Japan shot 49%, and it was on almost four times as many attempts. Like, it was it was getting rough. And, and Jory mentioned uh, Saki Hayashi, but another player that was letting it fly from, from behind the arc was Miyazawa. Pardon me, I want to make sure I say right, Miyazawa. Yeah, she had five threes of her own. So that's, you're getting that off the bench, you know. So you have Rui Machida in the starting lineup who didn't score, zero points, just just 15 assists. She was just dropping dimes, 15 assists, two turnovers, absolute masterclass. And then you've got Hayashi and Miyazawa combining for 12 made threes. Like, it was, it just, it just went downhill. That third quarter when they got outscored 33 to 19 at that point, you know, you could shut out the lights. And then from there in Nigeria, they outscored Japan in the fourth quarter, you know, to, to make the deficit look a little bit less embarrassing, but yeah, man, credit to Japan, just a tremendous performance from behind the arc and they showed they can be formidable, you know, so again, uh, an amazing game from them. And it sucks to see Nigeria bow out in the, the group stages, but like Jory said, had, uh, Neko Gumake and Elizabeth Williams been cleared to play, you know, maybe things would have been different, you know, but that's a story for another day. So now that we're out of the group stages and we've advanced to the quarterfinal rounds, I would just like to, to get a look at Team USA's Olympic stats as a whole. You know, who, who do you guys think has been playing really well and who would you like to see more from? Jordan, we'll start with you. Uh, well, again, you know, I kind of mentioned this in our first segment. Obviously, Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart have been the stars of the team. But if I had to pick someone other than those two, 
I think Sue Bird, who is actually the captain of Team USA, um, you know, while probably not the best player on the roster, um, I think she's been just the most steady player throughout the entire tournament. Um, in their three group stage games, she has the highest plus minus on the team. And that's with her playing 27 minutes a game, which is third on the team behind Wilson and Stewart, I believe. And she's only averaging three points per game. So she's uh, impacting the game in ways, uh, you know, that obviously isn't putting the ball in the basket. She's averaging a TMI 7.7 assists per game. And it just feels like every time she's on the floor, Team USA is just in control. So I really feel like she's been, you know, probably the most important player for, you know, Team USA's run thus far. Maybe not the most impactful, but certainly the most important. Yeah, um, I actually have the opposite opinion on Sue Bird. Um, I mean, I, I I agree with that. You know, she's been uh, steady, but I, I think she needs to step up her shooting a bit because um, she's like two or three for 17 or something like that through three games. Um, so while she does, I know I just shouted her out in the last segment, so that sounds bad, but uh, she's definitely a great passer, a uh, great leader on the floor, but um, I think if this team really wants to go to the next level and just start blowing out teams like we're used to seeing from them, I think she's going to have to shoot the ball a little bit better. Um, yeah, and I mean, for who's doing well, I mean, most of the team is doing pretty well, if we're being honest. I mean, obviously, you got Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart, who are just the superstars. Uh, Brittany Griner's really been doing a good job holding it down in the paint. Uh, she's shooting great percentage, great rim protector, just doing what Brittany Reiner does pretty much. Um, yeah, I, I do think Sue Bird, uh, while she is having great in a, a great Olympics in other areas, I, I think that she needs to step up her shooting a little bit. That's a good point, Ryan. Now, I mean, Sue Bird, her, her job out there, like Jory says, to be that that kind of calming presence, that, that, that veteran leader. But, you know, it's kind of tough to excuse. What is she, three for 17 from the field? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt, but that's kind of tough. Uh, but uh, one player I'd like to see more from, I will say Jewel Lloyd, you know, the, the other uh, Seattle Storm uh, teammate that, that, that Sue Bird is here with besides Brandon Stewart. You know, she, she's got a, a lot of playing time. The, the, fourth min, the fourth most minutes on the team, in fact, you know, you got Brandon Stewart, Aja Wilson, Aja Wilson, excuse me, she's, then you got Sue Bird, and then you have Jewel Lloyd bringing up the rear. And, you know, her role is kind of different, obviously, on this team compared to what it is on Seattle Storm. But you'd like to see more from her. You know, 11 assists to 10 turnovers is, you know, kind of uh, a lot. Or, or, or Gasly, I should say, the only player on the team with double-digit turnovers. You know, I mean, the, the her, her playmaking, obviously, is nowhere near the level of Sue Bird. Like Sue Bird. 23 assists to, to five turnovers. She's that 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 steady leader. But I like to see more from her. Now, now credit to her, she's shooting better from the field and from three than the Sue Bird. But when you're given that much time, obviously, you know, the, the coaches trust you and your teammates trust you. So if the if team USA can start to get, you know, consistent production from their backcourt, I think things can can get, you know, pretty interesting. Cause obviously Aja Wilson, Brandon Stewart. 
they're going to ball out. Brittany Griner is playing great as well. Same for, for Tina Charles. She just had a, a phenomenal game. And Jewel Lloyd, credit to her. She had 11 against France, you know, so she's, she's trending up, you know. So I would just like to see more consistent production from Jewel Lloyd, from Diana Taurasi, you know, just the, the rest of the, the backcourt mates. Suberg, she's doing her job in terms of the assists. But, you know, if the backcourt can provide, you know, a little bit of, of, of scoring as well, then, then things could get really interesting. So now that we've looked at the Olympic stats, you know, from the group stages, they, they, they drew today, I believe, earlier today, for, for what the matchups would be in the quarterfinals. And, you know, the, the, the matchups are pretty interesting. You've got Spain versus France, Japan versus Belgium. China versus Serbia, but the one matchup that it appears everybody has circled, you know, for Wednesday, August 4th, is Australia versus the USA. Now, Australia defeated Team USA a few weeks ago in an exhibition game on July 16th. And in that game, they battled all the way back from a 13-point halftime deficit to, to, to knock off Team USA for the first time since 2010. So obviously with that being a pre-Tokyo Olympics exhibition game, you know, the, the stakes aren't nearly as high as, as right now with the, with the chance to, to advance to the Olympic semifinals. So I just want you guys to talk a little bit about that exhibition game, what's different, you know, then, now, the loss of, of Liz Cambage, will that impact things now? Team Australia, is there a chance they could pull off the upset again? Jordan, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, well, obviously we know Team USA lost to Australia a few weeks ago. Um, but in my opinion, I don't think that this upcoming game is going to have a similar outcome. You mentioned Liz Cambage. I'm not, I don't know if she was playing in that game against Team USA at that point. So, um, again, Team USA, they just clearly weren't themselves in that one. The only player that made a three in that game was Brianna Stewart, and she even shot just two of eight from behind the line. Um, Sue Bird, who I was just praising a moment ago, had six turnovers in that game, which is extremely uncharacteristic, and I would highly doubt we'll see something like that from her again. And, you know, despite all that, I'm pretty sure, again, the team as a whole shot something like two of 18 from three, and they still only lost by three points. So you make one more three, it goes in overtime potentially, and they win the game. Who knows? But it's like I, I wouldn't personally hit the panic button. I think it was their first real exhibition game considering the first time they played was against the WNBA All-Star team. So, again, it was kind of the first time they were playing against another national team, and they haven't lost since. Um, so, you know, I guess moving forward, I, I again, I'm not too concerned. It's also worth mentioning that Australia's only win in the group stage was against Puerto Rico uh, this far in the Olympics, and that's arguably been the worst team uh, thus far. I think they have the worst point differential in the entire tournament right now. Um, but you can't sleep on Australia, of course. They are the one team that managed to knock off Team USA, um, and I think Team USA, in terms of a game plan, if I had to, you know, give them some advice, I would say don't settle for jump shots because Australia is extremely susceptible to interior scoring. So I would imagine they play through Asia Wilson, they play through Brittany Griner, 
you know, the team's most efficient interior players and give them bigger roles offensively. And I think they'll be able to come out with the victory. Yeah, I don't really know how much more I have to add. I think Joy broke it down really well. Uh, it was off game for Team USA. They only shot like 37% from the field, 11% from three. Like Joy said, two for 18. And that's just, it's just not going to happen again uh, straight up. I, I think that's a one-off thing These uh, when we're getting used to playing with each other because, uh, you know, it's, it's a new team. They, they'd only played one game uh, the game before, I think. Like Joy said, the WNBA All-Stars. So, um, yeah, I mean, the loss of Liz Cambage is huge for Australia. And honestly, I think Team USA has just such a size advantage against pretty much any team in this tournament that they should just throw it down inside whenever they get the chance. I, I think they need to play inside out, uh, get Asia Wilson and Brittany Griner to just pummel the paint uh, until the other team starts collapsing on you and then get it up to Brianna Stewart, Diana Taurasi, Jewel Lloyd, whoever's sitting out there on the three-point line and just have them knock them down. Uh, they'll, they'll be, it'll be sitting ducks at that point uh, for whoever they're playing against. And Australia, especially with Liz Cambage out, they just don't have the height size to really compete with team usa so i i I mean they're in the knockout round for a reason they they had a really close game against china um who i think is a very good team and um you know they lost to belgium another close one but uh, i think team usa should take it this time but you know obviously they have a chance they're they're in the knockouts for a reason you know what jory i'm gonna play devil's advocate you know you were saying that you know the the Brandon Stewart was the only player to hit a three and Sue Bird has six turnovers that was just uncharacteristic. And, you know, if, if this shot fell or this shot fell, again would win the OT. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate and I'm going to look at, you know, Australia. And I, I'm not going to predict that they could make an upset, but uh, I will say they're a little bit more talented than I think we're giving them credit for. Like that's a team with, with a few like more than a few WNBA players, like Ezzy Magdagore and Rebecca Allen and Steph Talbot, Leilani Mitchell, like that's that's a really talented squad. And, you know, they had 18 turnovers in that game, if I'm, if I'm reading this correctly, from the, from the exhibition. And furthermore, Rebecca Allen shot 5 for 15 from the field. Katie Ebsery shot 2 for 8 from the field, like, they were missing, you know, quite a few shots that that they would normally make as well. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think Australia is is tremendous, you know, in terms of their talent and what they can offer. But, you know, they, 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 it really just comes down to, I mean, obviously, like you guys said, Team USA's game plan, you know, on the interior, Brandon Stewart and Adrian Wilson have just been a, 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 a dominant force so far, you know, in, in these games and in all the group games. Tina Charles in that exhibition, she didn't do much per se. You know, she only shot one three. You know, she's coming off a game against France where she hit three of three from behind the arc. So it's going to be interesting. Obviously, with it being an exhibition, you know, minutes distribution was a little wacky. Aja only played 12 minutes. Like, Brittany Griner only played 14 minutes. Diana Taurasi at the time. You know, she didn't play at all. I believe she was injured. So uh, things are going to be very different, I should say, you know, coming into Wednesday. But I I wouldn't be surprised if it was a close game because Australia is, you know, quite talented. All right. So now that we've discussed 
their upcoming game against the Australian Opals. Well, let's let's shift over to, you know, in the event that USA doesn't win the gold, what other team do y'all think could pull off the upset and leave Tokyo with a gold medal? Well, another team that I realistically think could knock off Team USA is Spain. And, you know, they're, in my opinion, the second best team in this tournament right now. Uh, especially, you know, you were just talking about Australia. I think if they have Cambage, they're probably up there. And then, we, you know, we were talking about Nigeria earlier. They, they could have potentially been up there. But I think Spain has been the second most impressive team. Um, and, and they're a real threat to Team USA's gold medal hopes. Um, they're led by Astudu, who, you know, the Chicago Sky Center, who was absolutely dominated before the Olympics in the European Championships. She was averaging 15 points per game, which ranked eighth in the tournament, shooting 64% from the field. That was the highest percentage in the, in the European Championships. And then she comes to the Olympics, and she's averaging 23 points per game and 10 rebounds. I mean, she's been an absolute monster uh, for Spain. And not to mention the rest of their roster is filled with very, very talented international players um, like Christina Ovina, who is averaging 7.7 .7 assists per game in the Olympics. And she's, you know, a point guard in one of the best women's basketball leagues in all of Spain, as well as uh, Laura Gill, a teammate of Ovina's and Spain's second leading rebounder behind um, Asudu, averaging 9.3 rebounds per game. So again, you know, I think they, they kind of hit on all the, you know, levels. They kind of match up with Team USA pretty well. And I think the biggest and most important thing is they're on the opposite side of the bracket as Team USA. So they'll, they won't have to face them potentially until the gold medal game. So they'll be able to, you know, gear themselves up to that moment if they can get there, of course. And I think if the, the Americans don't come prepared, Spain has a, a very legitimate shot of knocking them off and causing Team USA to miss out on their seventh straight gold medal, which is absurd. But that's, that's my two cents. I'm actually going to go for the uh, other team that was undefeated in the group stage and uh, go with China. Uh, I think they play really well-rounded basketball. I mean, no one, no, they don't just rely on any one player. Uh, I think that's a big thing for me. If, if someone has an off night, then other players can step up and, and take some of the, story, the scoring load. I, I think their star player is Lee Yeru. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. I hope I didn't butcher that. Um, but she's averaging pretty good numbers. You know, I, I think around 15, 16 points per game. Um, pretty, pretty dominant inside. Again, around, around eight, nine rebounds per game. So, She's, she's pretty good inside. I think, yeah, they, they just have a lot of players that can score the ball. Um, and, you know, they've taken down teams that, like Australia, they, they beat Australia by two. They beat Belgium, uh, who was looking pretty good in the group stage. Uh, Belgium also beat Australia. So I, I think they have the talent and, and, most importantly, the togetherness factor. I don't really know the unity, or we'll call it the unity, to really step up and compete. Uh, with a team like Team USA. All right, Jory, I, I'm going to agree with you this time around. Uh, I think Spain, their their roster is just like man. And credit to credit to to Spain, they've just you know they've just kept coming. That game against Canada, 
you know, obviously Canada recognized how crucial a win would be, you know, to, to knock off Spain and to have their destiny in their hands, you know, and, and a, a chance, a real chance to advance to the quarterfinals. But Spain just kept fighting. Canada went on, I think it was an 18-4 run at one point to, to cut Spain's lead to six. And, and Spain just kept fighting. I mean, you mentioned it. I still do what she's been able to, to do in this tournament. It's, it's, it's uncanny, you know, like, and, and really it puts into perspective just how good, you know, the, the WNBA is in comparison to, to, to other leagues. Cause like the way she's acting right now, I ain't ever see her do this for, for Chicago, or at least I stay on this level, not to say, you know, she isn't good or that she couldn't do this in the WNBA, but like here, it's like she's just dominating. She's just a woman amongst girls, just snagging rebounds. That that game against Canada, 20 and 11, and, and three steals, two blocks on, on nine for 11 from the field. Like, that's just that's just ridiculous numbers, efficiency, really just establishing a presence down low on the interior and getting whatever she wanted. Nobody could stop her down there. And it, it's a really talented team. I mean... Uh, Alba Torrens, I don't know if you mentioned her. Jory, I know you discussed Uvina. Um, Mady Cazorla on their bench. She only had two points against Canada, but a couple of days before that, she had 17 points and five threes off the bench uh, against Serbia. And I, I know her from uh, Oregon. I mean, she she went to Oregon, come from a family of professional basketball players. She, she was selected in the WNBA draft a couple of years ago. And then she just won... Uh, the Spanish League championship this past year, and she won the Spanish Cup last year. Like, Spain is super talented. And, Jory, that point that you mentioned about them being on the opposite side of the bracket and not having to face USA in the quarterfinals, I think, obviously, that factors in a ton, you know, because now, you know, once they get through France and they get through whoever they face in the semis, at that point, you have an Australia team that now – has to get through a team that already beat them in an exhibition game, potentially a, a tough China team. Ryan, like you mentioned, if I'm reading this bracket right, China went undefeated in the group stage as well, just to, you know, have a, a French squad, or excuse me, a Spain team that is, is dominant in their own right. So things are going to get really interesting in the upcoming days. And, and I don't know if one of these teams will be able to stop Team USA from winning seven straight gold medals, but it won't be a cakewalk. That's that's for dang sure. <sighs> okay, so like I said, we, we've now transitioned out of the group stage into the quarterfinals round. We, we've mentioned all the teams in the quarterfinals round, you know, Belgium, Spain, all those squads. One of the teams that failed to make the quarterfinals round was Canada. Now, this was seen as a, a bit of an upset, you know, to, to some people and also a disappointment. So I wanted to ask you guys, you know, what do you think went wrong for, for Team Canada? And, and what do you think the reason, you know, was for them not making it to the quarterfinal round? Well, I guess, I don't know, maybe you guys will disagree. I'm interested to hear your opinions on it, but I don't know if it's necessarily of the fault of Canada in particular that they failed to make the quarterfinal round because of their road to get there. In my opinion, I thought Group A, uh, which was Canada's group, which consisted of Serbia, uh, Spain, and Korea, was the best group in the Olympics, you know, collectively speaking. Obviously, Team USA's group is obviously going to 
you know, look better because they have Team USA. But, you know, when you compare all four teams to the rest of the, uh, you know, rest of the groups, I thought they had the toughest group. Um, Serbia, they won the 2021 European Championships. We were just talking about Spain and Korea. I mean, they, they're, they have some solid players, and I think I'll even mention one a little bit later. But, you know, there are two games against the top teams and the teams that eventually advanced to the quarterfinals, or the, you know, yeah, quarterfinals, Serbia and Spain. They were only decided by 14 points. And, you know, when you have a top-heavy team like Canada, you know, as you mentioned, uh, having the three WNBA players like that, it's – and you decide to play through your superstars as, as much as they did, the defensive game plan for their opponents becomes a lot easier because you kind of know who to focus on. And not only that, unless all three of them are on, on their game every night, it's going to be very difficult um, for, for their team to win. Um, their big three of Bridget Carlton, uh, Kia Nurse, and, and Natalie Ochanwa, um, they shot a combined nine of 30 from the field in their loss against Serbia and then 11 of 29 from the field in their loss against Spain. So that's just not going to cut it in the Olympics or in any basketball setting for that matter. So I thought while I can see why they, they failed to make it to the quarterfinals, I can also partially give them a pass because of how tough some of their competition was. Yeah, you know, Group A was definitely a difficult group uh, for sure. Um, I think the group with China, uh, Belgium, and Australia is also a, a pretty tough group. But uh, I really do think it came down to their game against Serbia because I think Spain was just a little bit better than everyone else in that group. And I don't think Korea was quite at the same level as uh, anyone else in that group. So I think it was between uh, Serbia and Canada for who could, uh, you know, get through. Um, obviously, if they had a bit better of a point differential, they could have gotten through anyways. But Australia made sure that they got the extra two points to go past, but um, it really just came down to their shooting. I mean, they shot 21% from three against Serbia and they shot 65% from the line. And, and that's just not going to cut it. Um, and quite clearly it didn't, uh, you know, Kia nurse not have a great game six for 18 the team shot 38%. Um, yeah. It, it's unfortunate because it just wasn't a good game from them. And uh if a couple more of those shots fell, they would probably be in the knockout stage right now uh, competing for a gold, but they're not. <laughs> they didn't fall, and they're not in the knockout stage, and that's just how life goes sometimes. I don't really know if you can blame anyone specifically for that, but, yeah, that's just how basketball goes. Sometimes the shots aren't going to fall. Yeah, you know, and I will say I agree with both of you guys. You know, obviously, um, to some, it may seem disappointing, and – and when you look at, you know, the world rankings, you can definitely factor it or you can definitely call it a disappointment. You know, uh, the, the fourth best team in the world, you know, dropping a game to Serbia, albeit, you know, they, they did just win you know, a major tournament of their own. So um, the, the, the group being as tough as it was didn't help their case. But also, Joy, like you said, their, their, their stars failing to show up definitely hindered them as well. I mean, Kia Nurse being as, as experienced as she is, you know, with, with years in the WNBA and, you know, she's played for the national team for like, you, you kind of just need to do a little bit more. And that game against Serbia, Ryan, like you mentioned, it's just like, 
her and, and Bridget Carlton and, and Natalie Atonwa, she didn't score in that game against Serbia either. So that's that's zero points from, you know, a person that, you know, is, is supposed to be one of one of the, the big three on your squad, you know, if you will. So it's just, you know, you're, you're like Jordy mentioned, you're, you're three WNBA players shooting nine for 30. That's not going to get it done against a team as talented as Serbia. They, they, they took care of business against South Korea. You know, South Korea did go winless in the group. But then against Spain, things kind of just unraveled. You know, another tough shooting night for Carlton, Achanwa, Kia Nurse. I mean, she had 14, but four for 10 for shooting. She had four threes. Um, Spain just turned it up defensively, uh, held Canada under 70 points. They only cracked 70 once in group stages, and that was against South Korea. And it's just, I mean, it was just really confusing to watch them sometimes. Like, the turnovers were rough. The half-court offense was was rough. I mean, it just seemed like there was a lack of chemistry and, and togetherness. Nothing really made sense. Like, Kia Nurse, this is a former WNBA All-Star. Like, like she's shown up for Canada, you know, in the 2016 Olympics or – the 2015 Pan Am games, like she's supposed to be good. Like she's supposed to be that, that, that veteran presence. And I think she shot like 33% from the field in the group stage. Like that's, that's just not going to cut it. So all in all, I mean, it's, it's a tough loss for, for Canada, but they'll be right back at it uh, next February playing for a uh, qualifying or playing to, to, to qualify for the 2022 world cup. So let's see how things go then. You know, hopefully, you know, with this uh, unfortunate result, you know, they can they can regroup and, and come back stronger next uh, next World Cup. So one team that that managed to benefit, you know, from Canada missing the, the quarterfinal round was Australia. They managed to, to sneak in over Canada as they had to win their game against Puerto Rico by at least 25 points and they ended up winning by 27. So what did y'all see in that matchup with the Opals against Puerto Rico? Um, uh, I mean, this was a pretty crazy game, to say the least. As you mentioned, they needed 25 points or at least 25 points to advance to the quarterfinals. Um, but, you know, they they scored the go-ahead basket, as you could say, with just 30, 30 seconds left remaining in this game. Uh, they outscored Puerto Rico 23 to eight in the third quarter. And, you know, they just ended up taking care of business. So I thought it's, it's interesting how, you know, this is how the Olympics end up working out. You just got to dominate an opponent, no sportsmanship, but I mean, it was, it was, it was interesting to see that, but uh, now they have to face team USA. So we'll see if it was really worth all that trouble, you know, doing all that work. Hey, maybe maybe they can upset the Americans again, but we'll see. Yeah, you know, I feel really bad for Puerto Rico because they're just they had they had a rough go of it. They they really did, and they were really close in the at halftime too. They were they were only down by one point at halftime, um, and they ended up losing by twenty seven. So uh, that's just not a very not a very fun second half for them right there, um, especially. Uh, Guaithme, Jasmine Guaithme from Puerto Rico. She had 26 points. 
Um, so she had a great game, but um, they're, they're just outmatched. You know, uh, the Opals had significant rebounding advantage. Um, yeah, they, they, they were just a class above Puerto Rico, if we're being honest. And it showed and a crazy way to secure your spot in the knockout round. Yeah, man, that, that game, I mean, the, the point differential thing is, is so, like, it's, it's so captivating. That's the only word I can use to explain it. Like, Jory, you mentioned it when you said sportsmanship. You know, normally in, in, in sporting contests, your coach will kind of tell you, like, okay, you know, it's, it's late in the fourth quarter. We're already up 20 or so. You can kind of take your foot off the gas pedal because you don't want to, you know, embarrass the team, you know, and then have them, you know, bad blood between your two squads. But in a setting like this, where point differential can be the difference between you going home, flying out of Tokyo, or you playing on Wednesday, I mean, y- y'all saw it. They Australia did not let up, and they just kept, they just kept coming. That third quarter, you know, they saw that they were only up one point at halftime, and they realized they needed to win by 25 or more. That that I, I wish I, I was a fly on the wall in that locker room during that whatever speech their coach said, because they came out in the third quarter like just a, a, a team possessed, and, and they just took over just started dominating left and right. Credit to Australia. Uh, Marianne Tolo, she had 26 points. Just a, a phenomenal showing in the second half for a team that that recognized what they needed to do, and they went out and did it. Like Lonnie Mitchell, she had 12.6 assists. Ezzy Magbagor, she had 10 points. Barone George, she had 19 points. So all in all, big win for Australia. And, and Jory, like you said, now they get to face off against the, the six-time reigning defending gold medal winners in Team USA. So, Australia, <laughs> have, have fun with that. All right, so we mentioned earlier that Aja Wilson and Brandon Stewart have been playing really well this tournament for Team USA. But now I wanted to look at, you know, what other stars have been doing, you know, for, for the other countries. So, so, Ryan, Jory, I just want you guys to give me one or two players from, you know, other teams that have been playing absolutely phenomenal so far in the Olympics. Yeah, you know, for me, um, I, I think there's really one standout. It's uh, Emma Miesman, Emma Messiman. I'm not sure exactly how you say. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to butcher foreign names completely. So we'll just call her Miesman. But she's been absolutely incredible throughout the entire Olympics. She's averaging something like 26 points a game or something like that head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. I think that's um, four points or something like that above second place. And she's also tied for first in rebounds right now. So she's just having uh, a great Olympics. And it's shown in Belgium's success too. You know, they're two and one. They, they lost a tough game to China. That was a really close game. Um, but, you know, they, they got a win over the Australian Opals in another close game. And, and that, that's largely because of, of Miesman. So, um, yeah, she's, she's been great, great in the paint, especially uh, with those high rebounding numbers. She, she's great in the post. So, um, yeah, she's just had a great Olympics, and I'm looking forward to see what she can do in the knockout rounds. Yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a pick of mine as well. I thought she's been outstanding. I believe she was a, an, a WNBA All-Star in 2015. So, she, she obviously has the capabilities of, of performing at this level. 
But if I had to pick someone else, um, I mentioned Korea being part of the best group in this year's Olympics, in my opinion, at least. And I think partially uh, as the reason why they were even, you know, a little bit competitive. I don't think they won any games in their group stage. So, but the fact that they were, you know, part of that group uh, and competitive in some games was because of uh, Jisoo Park, who is having a great tournament thus far. Um, she was a former WNBA second round pick, and she ranked seventh in this tournament in scoring at 16 points per game, fourth in rebounding at 10 and a half rebounds per game, and fourth in first in blocks, around four blocks per game. So, I mean, she's she's been uh, outstanding to say the least, despite the fact that the rest of her team has not been uh, living up to living up to par, I guess. Um, but I guess an interesting note is that she actually decided to forego the 2020 WNBA season when they were in the, the bubble to train for South Korea. And then obviously everything got shut down near the Olympics got shut down because of COVID. Um, and the, it's funny cause she plays on the aces. So she eventually ended up missing out on, on their championship run. Well, to the championship, at least not, not literally a championship, but uh, I, I just thought she was a big reason as to why Korea was, you know, at least partially competitive in this year's Olympics. Yeah, Jory, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned her. And again, I mentioned it earlier, but it's it's alarming how how different some of these players look, you know, and, and how they look playing the WNBA and then how they'll look playing in, in a tournament like this. Like Jisoo Park, obviously for the Aces, you've got Cam Bage, you've got Aja Wilson, you've got Derek Hamby. Like the front court is pretty dang crowded. So it's tough for her to, to get any real consistent minutes, you know, to, to show what she can do, you know, but now she has this opportunity where she's going up against some of the best players in the world and she's been showing up. So, so credit to her. Uh, but Ryan, you mentioned Emma Miesemann, obviously what she's been doing is just been amazing. I think she won finals MVP too for the Mystics when they won the championship a couple years ago. And we touched on uh, Astu Du earlier and what she's been doing for, for Spain, but if I had to look at a player, I would say uh, it's Saki Hayashi and what she's done for Japan. She's averaging uh, a shade under, excuse me, she's averaging a shade under 16 points a game, and she's shooting 50% from, from three on, on eight attempts a game, which I'm pretty sure her, her four makes a game leads everybody uh, it, it better. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, somebody else would be higher. But she's, I mean, just been lights out. Her and, and Rui Machida for Japan, just a, a dangerous duo. And, I mean, they're in the, the quarterfinals for a reason. You just got lights-out shooters like Hayashi, and you have a facilitator like Machida. And they, they've just been threading needles, knocking down shots. Ryan, you mentioned it earlier, the, the 19 threes that they hit uh, against Nigeria. That, that has to be close to an Olympic record of some sort, if not the, the actual record itself. So, all in all, just... Uh, some some phenomenal performances that we've been seeing from from everybody, and this quarterfinals round is going to be one to watch. So, to wrap up the show, uh, I wanted to to touch on Team USA's three by three gold medal victory uh, from I believe it was earlier last week, maybe I don't know, but they they came away with the gold medal in the inaugural format of 
this three on three uh, tournament, if you will, at the Olympics. So I just wanted to get you guys thoughts on that game. And also, what do you think the, the future will be like for, for, for three on three? And, and did you enjoy its addition to this tournament? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the, to answer your most recent or last question, I was very happy to, to see 3v3 in, in the Olympics. Uh, it, it was just very enjoyable to watch. It's very fast-paced. A lot of the games, I believe, are only like 20 minutes long, which is obviously very different from, you know, full 5v5, like two-hour games. Um, and it gives basketball players in particular who missed out on the main national team a chance to represent their country, which I think is a really cool thing as well. Um, but that said, Team USA, they were dominant all tournament long. Alicia, Alicia Gray, uh, Kelsey Plum, and, and Stephanie Dolson, they were all incredible. They were had great chemistry. They were, you know, they had a very well-balanced offensive attack. And, you know, while the, uh, the gold medal game was only a three-point game, I never doubted Team USA, to be honest. Uh, you know, they were eight and one, I believe, in this in this run. Uh, I think they only lost one prelim game. So it, they were just outstanding throughout. And I hope, you know, moving forward, they they continue to do this because it was it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely very hopeful for the future of uh three by three, three on three, not three by three three-on-three three basketball in the Olympics. Um, I think it was a good introduction. I saw my dad actually sent me an article um, and it was saying how we should improve three-on-three three three basketball to make it more realistic. And it was saying like uh, they should get kicked off the court in the middle of the game because someone else has already reserved the gym and like somebody has to like play in Crocs while another guy on the other team has to play in jeans and stuff like that. So it, it was a funny article. I, he also said, make it, take it. Uh, I think that would be good. That would be more like three-on-three -three basketball. I think that was actually a good suggestion. But um, as for the women's run, you know, it was great. I think they ended up eight and one, nine and one or something like that. Um, like George said, great gold medal game from them. I mean, they came out, were up 12 to five. Russia made it 12 to nine. And then Team USA just kind of took over and coasted the gold medal from there. So, yeah, never really in doubt. Um, a great inaugural run. Hopefully – Maybe on the men's side at some point, we could have some NBA players in there because um, we didn't really see any NBA players wanting to participate on that side. But that's a combo for another day. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with how uh, it was introduced in this Olympics. Yeah, uh, the, the U.S. men's team, uh, I think they were led by, like, Robbie Hummel or something. They, they failed to, to even qualify. So uh, it just goes to show how, how, how tough – things can, can be, you know, for, 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 for newer sports. And, and like you said, Ryan, um, hopefully an, an NBA star or even a bit, it would be cool to see like Joe Johnson in it for the men's side, but focusing more so on, on the women's side, like Jory said, they were, they were just dominant. Like every game they were just winning and it, it looked pretty easy. The, the one loss that they had to, I believe it was Japan. Um, at that point, they had already clinched a bye to the semifinals. So, like, the loss didn't really matter. It just, you know, spoiled them going on a streak compared to the the, 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 the women's team, you know, for, for five on five. But 
that 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 gold medal game, um, it was just so brisk. Like, you know, they they put the clamps on Russia early, and Jordan, like you said, you know, although the final score was, I think it was eighteen fifteen, it didn't really feel that close. Like during any of it, it's like Steph Dolson, she was just in her element. You know, it's it's super physical, and, and you're playing with pace, and it's the first to twenty one points or whoever has the lead after ten minutes. Like it's just so quick and, and fast and it's it's really awesome to see you know so shout out to the U.S. women's team bringing home the gold in that one um I wish Katie Lou Samuelson could have could have uh taken the court you know she was unable to compete unfortunately after testing positive for, for COVID-19 but Jackie Young was able to step in and be you know a consistent fourth person for the squad so Steph Dolson, Alicia Gray, Kelsey Plum just awesome. And Kelsey Plum, what a story she is, you know, after going through that, that devastating injury a couple of years ago, you know, now to come back and, and win gold on the biggest stage, super awesome, really dope story. And I mean, yeah, like y'all said, I can't wait to see this competition in the future. So that'll do it for another episode of Coast to Coast presented by WSC Sports. For my analysts, Ryan Johnston and Jordan Mickens, I am Heaven Hill saying so long and take care.